0: welcome to can i kick it uh this is a podcast about film festivals my name is jesse catherine weber i am alone at the moment but i will be joined momentarily by cj prince uh to talk uh do our last bit of tiff coverage i've been out of town As we've been moving away from the festival. But I am back. And wanted to go over a few things. Uh, And before I take you to my discussion with CJ. I I will just speak about a few more things. Uh, Let's see. Music. I mean I've been talking about Angela Shanalek for a while. And... As someone who, like, I have not been able... I, it, it's just the one movie, I think, I was at home, but that uh, was just like, this is too far into abstraction and whatever uh, for me to fully get on board with and was hoping that this would be the... Oh, I get it. And I don't know if I'm 100% there... Uh, but I like it quite a bit. I I don't know that I would have picked up on it being Oedipus if I had not known that that was the case, but it was nice to have something to just like grab onto. Almost like, I, I think I said some to someone, it's like, it's like an activity that you've got during the movie of like oh you can, i i see this is this is Oedipus' mother finding out that she's been having sex with her son i guess is what this phone call is and uh there there's lots of other like the 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 the, the ways that the, the way people age in the movie is very unclear it seems to take place over a very long period of time but the the main character doesn't age at all except for maybe we see him as a child which is the like children do age he has a child i believe who we see as a baby and a little girl and a teenager uh, and there's also some music, uh, so still, still pretty baffling, but even at nine thirty a.m. on the last day of the festival, uh, I was into it. Another movie that I saw on the last day of the festival, the last movie I saw, in fact, was *Youth Spring* uh, by a director who I had never seen a movie by Wang Bing. This was a uh, documentarian for the most part this was his first movie that had been in can competition he of course also has man in black and i it was a tough last movie uh you know starting at like five thirty p.m and going until 9 um set in various factories in... I think they're all in the same province in China, uh, but which province it is is not coming to me. Uh, but various uh, clothing factories uh, with children and young adults, you know, teenagers and young adults working in them. And, yeah, it's it's like... 30, it's, like, segments that are all around 30 minutes, which the programmer said ahead of time, which was kind of like, okay, we've got kind of a way to mark time. There's, of course, a lot of those segments, uh, but each in a different factory. They were, I I was, towards the end, definitely in it. I I never... (laughs) never went to sleep no no sleep during a movie this whole festival but it was a little bit in and out uh, so i i think they maybe have may, he that he maybe started going back to some of the same places uh towards the end like that there were threads about uh negotiation uh for wages and uh such things uh that was a thread that I... I I think sometimes in the... Maybe it was all in different places, but I, I think it was picking up on uh, the thread. And th- this is called Youth Spring. There are apparently two other movies. He shot it over a very long period of time. Uh, but... I, I I suppose I wonder if this one is spring. Which season are we skipping? Uh, and and also whether those other two movies are just going to be more of the same? Will they be? Con- will he be continuing to go back to some of the same places? Uh, I think I I feel like I've heard that Berlin is the plan for the next one through the grapevine. Um. So then, uh, it, it, I think at one point there was a hope that it would be. Uh, can Venice Berlin as has been done by a few such trilogies? Uh, can, Venice apparently not interested, so I don't know if that would mean back to can with the last one. Pr- probably not in competition again, though maybe. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's you know I I both don't have a ton of context for it within what his project is generally. Uh, Having, you know, it it seems like it's maybe most of a piece with Taishi Chu, West of the Tracks, which was, if not his first movie, the one that kind of broke out. And that is a movie that uh, is more often considered a single film, I think, but is in three parts and is, like, ten hours. Uh, So, yeah, I don't know. I'll be... I'll be curious to see more of this. It was an interesting counterpoint to the wise men who, like, I, I, I want to say I read at one point that like wise men had in like the late nineties gone to China and done like some workshops, workshops, excuse me, on uh, documentary filmmaking that had. Influenced several filmmakers there, including Wong. Uh, and yeah, I, I can't remember if I even have talked about Menu Placer on this podcast. I'm, uh, you know, it has been talked about, I've listened to it be talked about. Uh, I, I am, it's fine. Uh, French people just now I feel like I have said this on the air. Uh, and yeah, I don't know, teenagers are also kind of like, I don't need to spend a bunch of time with teenagers, but they're more interesting than the French people, uh, in some cases at least. For, you know, the, the ways in which they're interesting are annoying sometimes, but it can be interesting. Uh, and then I'll talk uh, briefly about a movie that I screened right before the festival and just never came up uh, but that I think is quite good, uh, Mambar Piret, another movie from Wavelengths, I guess all three of these, uh, are Wavelengths films, uh, which is a film by Rosine Mbakam uh, who co-directed a documentary called Prism several years ago, uh, that was in uh, Currents at New York Film Festival, and I actually uh, interviewed uh, Anne Van Denderen, uh, one of the co-directors uh, at that time. Uh, but yeah, I this is about uh, this woman Pierrette, uh, who is a, I don't know if there's a gender-neutral term for seamstress. Uh, is the word, you know, she, she makes clothing, uh, she has her sewing machine and a little shop, uh, and it, it's set over maybe, like, a weekend or a little more, uh, she has two children, one of whom is pretty young, and one of whom's a teenager, maybe even a young adult, uh, the, uh, father, I think of both of them, maybe just one of them is, isn't present, uh, and yeah, it's just about a series of, like, you know, things that should be, uh, you know, you we would like to think are just, like, oh, you know, un- not, uh, more than annoying, like, you know, being, she she gets mugged, there's flooding. It's, like, bad stuff, but, like, stuff that we would like to think is overcomable. Uh, that, like, all of these things are calamitous, because it's just, like, she can't work, and she... Uh, you know, there are things that are more just, like, annoyance, Like, needing to get her sewing machine fixed, and struggling to do that, you know, going to... She clearly knows the guy in town who does that, and having to convince him to fix it now because she needs to get back to work that day. Uh, and yeah, uh, then the she also lives with her mother, uh, and so uh, dealing with the societal pressures of that older generation, she wants to get the government involved in, uh, at the very least, forcing her, I, I don't think they're married, uh, but the father of those children to be, uh, to participate in financially supporting them, if nothing else, and there's, Clearly, like, she talks to an aunt, too, I think, maybe, about how it's just, like, we, we don't do that. We figure these things out ourselves. Uh, and, yeah, I, I just thought it, you know, it's well-performed. I, the, the, uh, I, I assume she's, I, I think she's both playing a version of herself and also is a relative of M'Bakum, if I remember correctly, uh, and, yeah, she's, she's quite good, and there, there are these, like, little, like, not quite surreal, but just, like, oh, that looks interesting, like, she has a, a mannequin outside that, yeah, it's a pretty pretty low key film. Was another uh, movie that was in director's fortnight this year, and yeah, just another good one. Uh, uh, which I think there are a lot of. We uh, you know more people saw Inside the Yellow Cocoon Shell, which is a very solid movie. Uh, I know I know Amelia really liked that and talked about it. I I still didn't get to see Riddle of Fire, which I'm very curious about. Maybe maybe that'll come around at some point. Maybe, maybe they're putting it out this year. I, I, it got picked up by someone for distribution, I think, because I remember getting uh, an email from a publicist before the festival about that. Uh, but yeah, I think that is all I have for now, because I've already recorded the conversation that you were about to hear okay and i am now joined by uh film critic and programmer cj prince to discuss some more movies how are you cj i am okay
1: Mm jesse at the time we're taping this this is a bit far removed from tiff like a week yeah you know so it's i've had my recovery but yeah,
0: the the last time I spoke on this podcast, I think was in the airport leaving Toronto because I was then in Vermont for slightly over a week.
1: Were you in Billy Bishop or
0: Pearson? Uh no, I was on a layover in Philadelphia. Oh wow, okay. Okay.
1: <laughs> I've been mean, asking everyone that. It, I'm sorry to go. I, I flew.
0: Trap, I yeah. I don't think I have ever been to Billy Bishop. I have always ended up flying in and out of Pearson.
1: Yeah, that's that's more popular, but mm-hmm. Billy Bishop is convenient.
0: Uh huh. So, yeah. Anyway, cool. no one's gonna know what that is. I Just yeah. Listening. Well, <laughs> so. I'm sure we have other people who are yeah, either yeah. in Toronto or have been to Tiff. Yeah, uh, inside baseball. Yeah. Come to Tiff if you wanna if you wanna find out for yourself. Yeah uh all right uh now i'm trying to remember which movies we said we were going to talk about let's let's start with did, what stuck out to you this year out of the wavelengths shorts yeah so the wavelengths shorts i
1: love that's your first pick too like we just dive right <laughs> into that but um the wavelength shorts uh, we're three programs this year, um, mm-hmm. which is one more than last year.
0: They had two yes. last year. Although
1: I, te- although I would think the third one this year is a bit of a technicality, a little, yeah, um, which was
0: one yeah. more than the year before. So maybe, exactly. we, maybe so, we'll get back up to four someday.
1: Uh, yeah, hopefully. But um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll just say the third program, which was the uh, Jean Luc Godard, Chantal Ackerman, and Pedro Kosha shorts, are those are I don't really. <sighs> consider those in a way because they're all sort of curios to me like I mean it's essentially three pitches you got two pitches for a feature and one pitch to get into film school Mm -hmm. courtesy of uh, Chantal Ackerman but they're very they're still very interesting to watch but I'd say um the ones that stuck out I mean I was very happy when I went to the first program and um Andrea Picard introduced it and and sort of surprised us with the screening of Michael Snow's Standard Time which, I mean, I love Michael Snow's work. Yeah. Um, it was nice she did that tribute to him since this is the first year of the program without him mm-hmm. and it's named after his movie. Uh, and so that was nice to see. I mean, I just enjoy Michael Snow's works. Uh, they're mm-hmm. always, they, they're, there's a playfulness to them that I feel is missing in a lot of some of the, like, experimental works, um, avant-garde works. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that one is just, you know, essentially the camera's spinning around and the sound is sort of fading in and out and it's just this very neat interplay of um the camera spinning around and what we're able to see or parse out um as he's kind of spinning and rapidly Mm -hmm. cutting not rapidly just cutting uh as is the camera's rotating and then um and then the sound and and for me i don't know for me it was it was fascinating to see how like depending on when the camera the camera speed it would uh the audio sort of synced up to the image to, to the camera movement, right? So like I don't want to yeah. say Doppler effect, but the audio mm-hmm. gives that sort of effect. Uh, that's sort of that's what it reminded me of. And um so yeah, again, like typical, you know, Michael Snow type yeah. of uh, Michael Snow film, you know, really fun interplay of a sound image and uh, you know, kind of breaks down your perception and then kind of rebuilds it. So that was nice. And then uh, and then the, what followed was the Rose Louder shorts, uh bookcase thirty one to forty, which were also quite nice um yeah. quite pleasant um yeah i mean that one is just i i would say her style because it's what 10 i think it's like 10 one minute shorts yeah, right they're they're yeah, together and,
0: yeah they're she's up to 40 now and they're each 10.
1: yeah and then uh and she's you know she's sort of doing this this like lots of let's say jump cuts uh mm-hmm. in her footage of, of around i assume it's her family's estate Mm-hmm. in france rural france um and it's very neat like because there's just i mean for me what i remember sticking out to me was this the way that she was uh filming it and then the editing was sort of um looking at just sort of like the flowers the bees and animals whatever just nature but then um she sort of the the way it's those cuts sort of establish a Let's say a rhythm with what we're seeing. The one that stuck out to me was the shot, a shot of um, bees pollinating on flowers Mm -hmm. and, and the way that's like jump cutting. If it was just on its own, it would just be like a shot, a very nice shot of bees on the flowers. But then it sort
0: of shows this, like uh, this sort of natural rhythm that's going on. Um, Yeah, I I think I've probably said on this podcast before that anything that's sort of flickery is just going to be, like, baseline interesting looking to me. Uh, But this did feel like a a particularly communicative employment of that effect.
1: Yeah. And so, I mean, those were the two that stuck out to me from the first program, which Mm -hmm. was called Quiet As It's Kept, which is the name of the Jatalia Gary short. yeah. I, which I thought
0: that the, that one was interesting as well, uh was was an interesting counterpoint to uh some of the rest of that program.
1: Yeah, especially putting it at the end and, and it's sort of it stuck out, I found. Um yeah. because the subject matter is far different from what right. we saw beforehand. Um there's a right. video. Of I mean I, I don't think
0: I've ever seen uh certainly not a short documentary, maybe not a documentary at all with a talking head interview uh, in Wavelengths. Yeah, although totally it, the other short shrooms. Oh, that, sort of similar that's that true. Sense, yeah. Which that, yeah. That, yeah. yeah. That, that one maybe stuck out to me more it, it, than Quiet As It Kept, though I, I feel like I've since heard people who got a lot more out of that than me but i i just kind of find myself being like this guy is not actually that interesting yeah it's it's maybe the
1: point it stuck out because it was it was seemingly very conventional like i feel like it could have been in a in just a regular shorts program and this is the thing i don't want to sound um negative about this stuff i mean shorts programs especially wavelengths and i cover shortcuts every year and so that Mm -hmm. that's um it's always a grab bag. I would be very suspicious if I were to watch a shorts pro a shorts program and be like, every single thing in this is like you know, amazing, amazing. That's the ideal. But I mean, as mm-hmm. someone, I mean, as covering shorts and also having program shorts, um, that's just you know, you have to kind of be, you have to be very mm-hmm. considerate and how you program films yeah. together and and structure it. So, um,
0: yeah, like, yeah, but that uh, was the... a program of just like this is all great is not going to actually. Is no, unlikely to like give any of it like actual space to consider, and like you know, I I have like I remember uh, George Jacome May had uh, a film on Mubi several years ago called Flores that I remember really liking, uh, but still, still more yeah. conventional though that was in more kind of like a, a na- almost narrative. Uh, a lot of cool color stuff
1: yeah it, it's it's yeah i think especially coming out for the and at least in the order i think it was the yeah. point directly after rose lauder and yeah. also it's been mentioned already elsewhere that you know it's tough to follow when you put michael snow at the very yes. beginning <laughs> like say Surprise. you know um but yeah i mean but i would say in in the first program yeah the michael snow short and, and the rose lauder were the the two standouts for me um and then yeah i don't know if you want to talk about anything that stood out for you in the first
0: program or do we want to just yeah go to the i i think program? the i think similarly i mean the the film sculptures philip fleischman's work was all interesting to look at but mm-hmm. i i know he had done a big uh Screening in Los Angeles, and I do feel like his work th- that that would have just made a lot more sense with more of his work surrounding it to just like figure out exactly what it is that he's interested in. Yeah, and then
1: yeah, because they they did it was interesting because they were they played four of his film sculptures, yeah. Um and they did them. I don't know if he, I don't know if the order matters, but they did it right. backwards order, and they and they split it out. So they had yes. two at a time, and they and they sandwiched uh, some mm-hmm. shorts in between. I think the Marion Takafori and and another one might have been sandwiched yeah. in between them. So, yeah, and then um, the second program Sundown, uh, which I was luckily able to catch afterwards because mm-hmm. I, I I had to miss the screening, um, right. was that that was. I think stronger it was stronger yeah. for me than than the the first program. I felt there was a more cohesive yeah uh through line with them because it was very much about for me it was just very much about perception. Mm-hmm. Um and kind of, you know, changing uh changing our perception. And yeah, it is a nice collection of shorts. Um and with the sort of the centerpiece being Joshua and is, um yeah, is it, we don't we don't talk with, like we used to, I think. And then, uh, yeah, which is I think the longest one that's like almost forty minutes. Yeah, um, yeah, and that's I mean that's <laughs> uh, I, I wish I remember the title of the one short he had a couple of years ago at the festival in Wavelengths, which was a flicker film mm-hmm. um, that involved people dressed up as ghosts, um, mm-hmm. which I, I quite enjoyed um but i'm i mean this one is such a this for me this short is like i think my issue with him is that there are, there are moments in it where i can very or i can just get along with that film i can really just sort of mm-hmm. get on um just just i hate to use the, term, the word vibe with but you know what i mean yeah. like um but also i feel like he has very juvenile instincts
0: uh-huh
1: that i just am not especially a fan of um mm-hmm. and the other element is like you know there, there's this early section where he's kind of you know there's a guy wearing a ski mask who he's cutting rapidly back and forth with a guy wearing uh putting on n95 yes mask. and you know when he's when he starts getting into this realm of like you know doing sort of more direct commentary on you know like the communication or lack of and the disconnect not like it, it it just does not I don't respond to that as well, but then there's a, there's a very nice section, I think about midway through where um, he's just kind of layering all this footage on top of each other and everything's kind of going haywire with the soundtrack yeah. and and that section is quite enjoyable. And that's what I like when he just kind of, you know, let's
0: loose in that sense. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I really respond to the sort of, just, like, Kalaji, uh, with this long movie, like, letting himself do different things and have these different movements, I feel like it just, it makes it a you know, like I was saying with the Fleshman, it just, like, kind of starts to provide itself, its own context, and just, like, becomes easier to watch and to fall into a rhythm with, and have time to process it as you're watching it. Uh, the Michael Sosinski's piece about that film and salons in CinemaScope, uh, I think I read on that same layover and is great.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, only read, I read his piece in movie about the program overall. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, he talks about that more in a, you know, the way that he's playing with, um you know, the texture of film and all that, which is yeah. very true. So yeah, it, it, it's, it's, yeah, it was a film that took me a while to like get yeah. into its groove, so to speak. Um, that worked, and then yeah, but then even then, when we open with um, NYC RGB, which you know has the the filmmaker whose name is Gacy right now, she um, yeah. you know takes this footage in New York City and uh, triple exposes it through red green red green and blue color filters. I assume yeah, um, and it gives off this very I, I, that was just like a very like pleasant. Uh, yeah. pleasant film like a very very nice very nice to watch um especially especially when sh- they do shots uh of the sky um and, and I really enjoyed like the the choice of shots too the way the way they film yeah. the city is is uh distinctive which you know is somewhat sometimes hard to
0: do with say like New mm-hmm. York City which is you know in a ton of movies um yeah distinctive and like very quickly just provides a lot of different things for this sort of uh, color mm-hmm. filtering to do. It also, it is... I It was just nice, like, th- maybe thinking about snow, especially to see something in the program that is, like, such a legible, literal experiment. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, but was there anything in the
0: program, too, that you found to be a special... Especially highlights um, is there anything? I mean I liked that one a lot i i i you know i like Steve rankke is just like always interesting to listen to talk uh yeah you know i i I've read stuff it's... of his as well uh the uh and and then light noise smoke uh and light noise smoke i i had seen uh Tomenari nishikawa is the name of the director mm-hmm. a uh a film performance he did with like scratching on film at new york film festival a couple years ago uh mm-hmm. and that you know that is also a cool uh like a cool recontextualization, sort of, of fireworks. This sort of, uh, removal of the, it felt like there was a sort of removal of the, the violence of them. That I think, it, you know, I feel like you hear a lot. It, it, it's much more common to hear people being anti-firework, uh, of late. And so, uh, that was cool. I. It was also funny to see. I think it might have even been one of the other filmmakers asking him about soundtrack and not realizing that it was just optical, uh, from the film. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that one, yeah, that one I felt
1: was a good closer, like closing a good Mm -hmm. film to close the program. And then, uh, I was, and I think my favorite of that program was probably the, uh, let's talk by Simon Liu, which was, I, I mean, it's quite, I find, I think it's, Quite straightforward um mm-hmm. you know the program notes mentioned i think it's tied to the uh yeah the the, the 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 25th anniversary of um hong kong you know being handed over to to china mainland china and um and so the film to me just felt like it was somebody just like frantically just grasping the whole time for something that they could not get a hold of um and and uh the way he films that especially the soundtrack i really really enjoyed the sound Mm -hmm. design of of that of that short um yeah i found it was just very evocative and and uh very i don't want to say enjoyable because it's supposed to be like a very anxious experience (laughs) like it's very you know hectic but it's uh i i enjoy you know i enjoy how well uh how well they executed it so yeah I think that was probably I think that this let's talk and, and the Rose louder films were probably my yeah uh, highlights of, of the two programs I'll exclude the Michael Snow because that was sort of a surprise yeah. yeah. huh.
0: yeah the you know I guess part of the reason that that second uh, program uh, felt a little more cohesive could have just been that there were filmmakers in it who clearly knew each other I think some of the Salon's film was shot in hong kong as well on stock that uh was borrowed from simon yes. Liu and uh possibly never paid back
1: uh well So yes, unfortunately i was not the the q and a for yeah, that the... but yeah i, I did yeah. notice that some filmmakers names were in the credits there I mm-hmm. like, Yeah, i mean that's yeah. but you know that's that sort of that's that scene you know it's always going to be <laughs> in such yeah. some degree it's a very niche uh yeah. mm-hmm. niche area
0: yeah all right maybe moving Mm -hmm. on to some features um i don't i i know your your favorite thing was close your eyes which i saw way back at the beginning of the festival and attempted to talk about uh but certainly has sat in a really interesting way
1: yeah i haven't talked about it much since mm-hmm. i've seen it uh-huh. um and i saw it i saw it closer to the end of the festival mm-hmm. um because for those listening what tiff loves to do is at the beginning of the festival they take all of the press and industry screenings and on the first morning they go everything that played at Cannes, everything that played at venice everything that played at berlin we're going to schedule them at the exact same yep. time in the morning so you have to you have to kill your darlings in that sense if you're yes. kind of there to want to catch up on the other festival fare uh, so I went to a later public screening of it mm-hmm. and uh, yeah I mean I was really taken aback by it. I think it's the closest thing I saw that was like a genuinely like great experience mm-hmm. of the festival this year overall I mean I overall the the quality of the films were largely consistent for me but they were more like just like decent like n- nothing nothing mm-hmm. that really there were a couple clunkers there were a couple like bad films but that's expected and then yeah. um but not as much as I usually expect i didn't walk out once during the festival so that's always a plus mm-hmm. um and then uh but overall like surprisingly consistent quality of like decent films only a few standouts and this was
0: the clear standout but I, and
1: i'm yeah. not especially familiar with um i hope i pronounced his name right
0: victor Aris.
1: i am assuming think, yeah, I'm hoping. i
0: think it is it Ar- Arise? i think
1: Uh, yeah so uh, i i've only seen spirit of the beehive many many years ago Mm -hmm. i I haven't seen his other works and there aren't many because i think he has what three or four features to his name and then he yeah i i happen to
0: have seen um the documentary uh that was Mm. the most recent thing which which was like 92 yeah Yeah. so (laughs) recent is a very
1: (laughs) relative term here so yeah i mean going in i mean the, the film um you know which i was it's it's a very deliberately paced film i don't mm-hmm. think it's a, it's a, it's a slow film by any means but it, it yeah. takes its time and it really uh builds out so and, and what i mean by that is it, it kind of gradually reveals itself over time um and and, and for me what struck what, what stuck out to me the most um was the very like resigned melancholy tone of it yeah. it is so like He's coming back after decades of not making a feature, and and he's like, you know, there's a line where somebody kind of says, you know, cinema is becoming a matter. It was an art. It was an archivist for films, and he said cinema is mm-hmm. a matter of archaeology now. Um, you know, this idea that that you know this this particular form of art is on its way out. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's it's no longer at the level of relevance. Um, that it has, and there are so many moments in the in the film where i feel like it could be going into a very sentimental direction um like there are points where, and, and if it did i feel like it still would have worked for me um but it doesn't it doesn't do that he, he's not particularly interested in kind of pursuing that instead it's a much mm-hmm. more ambivalent uh commentary uh not really a commentary. Just, just very ambivalent in terms of how he's dealing with with these um ideas around memory and identity and and uh filmmaking in itself and you know it's it's i mean i'd say it's a it's you know supposedly this film is you know quote 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 unquote the power of cinema like it kind of and and for me like this i felt this was a much better um it was more up my alley in terms of dealing with that subject matter than say like i don't know the fablemans or Mm -hmm. empire of light but i don't think anybody's considering empire (laughs) Mm -hmm. of light because that's another matter um and yeah so i mean and and, you know it's for a film that's about the subject matter, the title of the movie is literally telling you to close your eyes, not mm-hmm. not look, essentially, right? And I feel like there is something in there about how you know there there is cinema can only go so far in terms yeah. of its impact. And and towards the end, I feel like he has this sentiment of like I it, it might just not have that power anymore that it might have had you know like it, it can only go so much and, it, and it's probably been quite diminished given yeah. how it's changed over over the decades so that was very resonant with me I was very taken by that uh that that sort of like I said that melancholy tone that just went through the film uh I really on to. and I think it just has lots of lovely moments lovely moments with yeah it.
0: yeah I mean for sure like I I was surprised watching it at like the amount of people that I feel like had called it boring or slow it, it just felt like very sort of well. novelistic um and yeah I, I, I feel like the it's the, the ambivalence sort of extending to the final shots which are the like direct power of cinema is it that that kind of to get that melancholy across in that moment uh simultaneously kind of the the sort of more almost ecclesiastic effect that it could have uh is really cool yeah i i
1: i was yeah i mean after seeing it it's like i mean if people are what's well, sorry, whoever is listening uh if if they know about the drama which i assume they might because of the you know if uh-huh. uh yeah you know if um, you follow, if you yeah. follow the festival and everything mm-hmm. you know the drama that happened at can and that's another thing too cuz thinking back to that response one i knew a lot of people who just simply were at can and were not able to see yeah. it because what's not talked about you know there's there's this discussion about how that film was slotted in Can premiere which is a rather new program uh sidebar type of thing that 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 yeah. can is doing and it wasn't put in competition that's one element it's not just the fact of the selection it's also the logistics of yeah. it because f- composition titles get screened repeatedly throughout the festival mm-hmm. you know if you don't catch it at the premiere or the press screen you're going to be able to catch it like two or three times the next day and several mm-hmm. times over during whereas can premiere titles there was the premiere screening and then there might've been like one more and you yeah. know, that was it. And, and, so and I a lot think of people... that
0: second screening was like in a mall, 20 minutes away from the palette. Yeah.
1: So it didn't, so it didn't, uh, a lot of people didn't see it. And, yeah. and the context of people seeing that, you know, was sort of compromised I feel, or, uh, yeah. you know, people. So, I mean, especially a film like that, which moves that deliberately, I can understand mm-hmm. why people were, you know, I heard people complain about how there are like so many face to black, and it's like, are you, are you eight <laughs> years old? Like, get over yourself. Yeah. Like, who cares? <laughs> um, it's it's such a it's such a very like basic sort of issue to take. It doesn't even make sense to me. So yeah, I mean, I, I and that's the thing. Like, I remember um, Bill Gabiri did a piece about it when he was at Cannes earlier this year, and he kind of said this point where it's like, yeah, he addresses the drama, but his point was like. You know the drama will go away, but the film will remain. But mm-hmm. it's like there is still there is still an impact in terms of how this thing is rolled out. So I really do hope it. I mean, yeah. he's getting a showcase at the San Sebastian Film Festival and it's playing in the Midtown okay. of New York. So I'm hoping that uh, as it shows at other festivals, it will start to kind of yeah. you know resonate more with Hopefully. people and,
0: and uh, snowball. Yeah, maybe it will be easier to see in New York as well. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Now that you, uh, the uh, the fading of the power of the medium has come into play, you didn't see Aggro drift, did you? I did see Aggro drift. Okay, you did. Maybe that's a good transition into that, yeah. given uh, <laughs> Corrine's pronouncements. And that, and that, I think is it's sort of the issue i mean for me it was
1: hard to watch that film yeah. and try to drown out uh Grins like <laughs> the the what i think is a lot of nonsense around yes. it it's 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 frustrating to me because that film um how he talks about it it it's you know especially because now he has his own production company called edge lord that you know yeah. and, and um you know recruited eric Khan from any wire to, mm-hmm. to you know be head of development and all that like it's so much of of the discussion around the film and how he kind of posited it was around, like, pitching. It was, like, this constant pitch right. of, like, yeah. this is my pitch for the future of cinema or a post-cinema or, like, something that was completely upending all these standards and blah, blah, blah. And And so in watching it, I had this, like, intrigue, but at the same time I was very uh removed from it i didn't yeah. really have much of a feeling either way i i, I think i described it as it was a, it was a what's it that turned into a whatever for me <laughs> you know it
0: was... yeah i mean i i found the the thermal imaging to be like a compelling experiment uh it just like what he was doing it with it was just a screenplay that you would expect to be produced by a company called Edgelord. I just like you know, like Yeah. absolutely. So, you I know mean, people I... calling it video gamey, it's like it, it feels like an insult in the same way calling any other movie video gamey is. It's just like uh the the dialogue is like un unlistenable. Yeah, I mean that
1: there's there are those elements for me I'm watching and watching I try to just absorb like look at it more of an experiential yeah uh thing than to focus on like you know the narrative and all that because again like i mean one watching the movie it's just kind of doing its entire it's its own thing entirely mm-hmm. and um and so i mean i didn't really i wasn't bothered especially by like the dialogue and all that mm-hmm. i mean yeah the dialogue is very very like you know facile just sort yeah. of like i love my wife i die in the hitman and um and but the thing is too like there are some interesting moments, like, in the way that, like, you know, especially when he is doing manipulate, like, manipulating the image in some ways, yeah. uh, especially with the sort of, like, demonic creature yes. thing that are sort of always in, lingering in the background or in the clouds. But, um, so, yeah, it, it's compelling to look at, but it doesn't have, it didn't have much staying power while I yeah. watched it. I kind of got over that and I didn't find it was especially... Um, enter like not entertaining but if i wasn't do like once it was established i didn't find it was doing much more with that and and the way it's shot is kind of shot like you know kern's like beach bum and spring breakers to a degree like it's it's he's he does and the editing too at some points um there's a moment where you know the 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 lead is narrating about his wife and then it cuts to his wife just like you know dancing and gyrating in the bedroom and and that's a very spring breakers type I yes. just felt like, you know, this is just Spring Breakers, but you just applied infrared on it. Um, yeah. So I didn't, yeah, I didn't feel like there was much, I think, I, I I don't know what I wanted out of it. Uh, But I sort of just sat there largely indifferent to what I was watching, which was kind of the bigger surprise for me. Because I feel like this is a film that's designed to get a reaction, yes. whereas I just kind of was like, okay, yeah, it's, it's a neat little thing. But I mean, I've also yeah. seen infrared used way mm-hmm. more effectively in other in other uh works. And also infrared is not especially a a new novelty mm-hmm. type of technology. I mean we can go back to that awful remake of rollerball, which had a very lengthy uh that was mm-hmm. night vision though, but yeah. And then like um uh Philippe Grand La Vinou is like one of my favorite examples mm-hmm. of using uh like night vision or infrared uh, imagery. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's 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 a, it's a bit of a curiosity, but I, I was yeah, I was I was just sort of let down yeah. by how indifferent I felt to it.
0: Yes, I think I think I've I, I I felt pretty similarly. Um, I I guess another uh movie that both of us really liked uh is Hitman, the new Linklater uh, which I you know I he's like. Some of the earlier stuff I maybe haven't seen, but he he so rarely makes a movie that I dislike that it is always a little like oh huh this is the one that everyone is into uh but I you know this is as as compelling as and you know it, it's certainly, you know even I like it's it's better than where'd you go Bernadette or even than the uh the rotoscope movie last year, which I, I liked 10? a lot or Paul 10 a half. Yes. Um,
1: yeah, which I haven't seen. I, I have a weird, like there, there, I run very hot and cold on like mm-hmm. later. And so a lot of times it's very tough for me to like motivate myself to watch mm. one of his films. I, I, you know, I, I also, I did not like boyhood very much. Mm. I don't think I like boyhood mm-hmm. at all. Really? Um, and that put us I think that put a sort of a sour taste Uh in my mouth so I didn't really bother with what he was doing after that so I didn't watch you know like everybody wants some and uh Uh where'd you go Bernadette and all that but it's like you know obviously he has the before trilogy which is fantastic and and School of Rock is really fun and um it's been way too long since I've seen a lot of his 90s output so I don't want to say anything about that you know but even like you know I remember enjoying a scanner darkly I remember hating waking life you know so it varies like I'm yeah. very I'm I'm very but mm-hmm. this one I mean I I went into it and I knew very little beyond just it's called hitman and there's Glenn Powell so I just walk in assuming Glenn Powell's a hitman um and then obviously that's not yeah at all what it what it is, it, it is and isn't it isn't um I don't know I I've, I've been when I, I wrote about it and I was trying to be very uh avoidant of of kind of Detailing the story because for me a lot of my enjoyment came out of how that how Langley are taking this true story and then using it to like subvert expectations around a hitman movie and then also sort of bringing in all these other genres um because you know it's 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 a hitman movie it's a it's like a cop movie it's a Mm -hmm. rom com yeah uh, it's a thriller it's all these things and, and I find it so like effortless uh and how it's pulled off it's very fun it's willing to do things that are questionable yeah. and willing to embrace that and expect viewers to go with it which is like it's been so long since i've seen a film operating on this sort of like broad level in terms of appeal that's actually yeah. willing to take those kinds of risks it's not an especially risky film but uh it does take it into like certain questionable moral territory yeah. it's like wow you're actually willing to you know Go that far or do that again. I don't want to make it sound like it's like an edgy movie. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of. Um. It 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 ends up in a place that I think is like some people might feel a little like unsure. About,
0: yeah. uh, about the characters. But I, I, I mean, really I think it. it while like very openly embellishing. I think it does really get across. I I. Uh, skim through some of the article it was based on just to see like what they were taking from it and it really gets across the like without having to explicitly call into question is this thing okay being like this is they shouldn't be doing this yeah exactly it's it's and yeah. So, I
1: mean, the, the way he takes this in terms of, he takes this sort of story, this true story, and then turns into this very entertaining uh, riff, I think mm-hmm. is just really clever. I mean, I, I hated to think of this like cliche, but it's also this, it's this sort of like, they don't make him like this anymore mm-hmm. quality where like a film is willing to be just this uh, outright entertaining and silly and unafraid to be those things. And even the way he brings in um, the themes around like psychology and identity, mm-hmm. um, you know, and how one, you know, is their true self is done in such a very light yeah. manner, and it's nice to see. I mean, there is a point where he literally, like, Lempel literally explains like id, ego, and super ego. Yes, right, which is just like in, in times I would feel like if a movie did that, I would just like roll my eyes. But mm-hmm. this this one is not taking itself seriously in any way, and I love that it's taking these topics and being like, you can apply this in a context that is very light and fun like it doesn't have to be uh you know thought over too much um or it doesn't have to communicate uh you know any sort of like intellectualism around Mm -hmm. it you know these like i find a lot of films get too bogged down in in, like uh the theory or they want to make it very known that like this is what they are addressing and they want to make that very clear to viewers um Mm -hmm. so people think of it as like you know that sort of that that love the word now elevated right mm-hmm. it's not it's not it's not just a film that can just exist on it has to be an elevated version mm-hmm. of that um and this just has no qualms about it. it's just like this is what it is um, yeah so and that meant it was just a very very entertaining um experience and I'm also fascinated by how um at least within like the very niche online circle of like film I guess we call film X now um <laughs> yeah that you know, to see like the largely despairing reactions to the fact yeah. that this film was bought by Netflix to the point where Vulture, you know, publishes. I think Alison Wilmore published a piece in Vulture about how despondent she was over the fact that Netflix yeah. bought this because it means it's never going to get that sort of large scale yeah. theatrical release. Uh, which, you know, when I saw it, I thought, you know, someone smart is going to yeah. snatch this up and then wait and see for that. Um, Glenn Pal, Sidney Sweeney rom-com to come back. <laughs> right, and then, like, yeah. you know, uh, and then kind of capitalize off of that success. Maybe Netflix will do the same, but, uh, it, yeah. you know, it's... I, I It's it's unfortunate, but I, I hope that, you know, people will discover the film and just have a really good time with it.
0: Yeah, because I, I feel like when I heard that it was being produced, I did just assume he was with Netflix again, because so many people just kind of fall into that hole, uh, and then... Uh, I think when it got announced for Venice, I was like, oh no, it actually wasn't produced with any uh distribution behind it, and then so yeah, for it to fall yeah. back into that, which, like, yeah, no one saw Apollo 10 and a half, yeah, which, which I mean, yeah,
1: even, yeah. even Richard Langlater acknowledges that yes. when he's done press on this, and I'm sort of um, uh, and so people were surprised that he went back to Netflix, yeah. but I mean, also a 20 million dollar. Uh, yep. price is nothing to sneeze at so. yeah
0: yeah yeah um i don't know i guess i royal hotel is one that i have not tried to talk about that yeah. i just like <laughs> didn't know what to make of uh and um. am curious what you thought of it yeah i mean i i i reviewed
1: it for okay. the film stage and I mean I it has this, it has its issues I mean Kitty Green I I did not see her prior documentary work which included mm-hmm. a Benet Ramsey documentary on Netflix but um I, I did see The Assistant which you know when I saw that I had my I had my issues with it largely that it's a movie about like Harvey Weinstein and they're acting so like you know they're you know shining a light on this meanwhile it's produced by people like James Seamus who have been in the industry for literal decades mm-hmm. and it's like you're, you're like you are part of the problem i'm sorry think <laughs> like, you know you you've been just don't act like you've been walking around mm-hmm. you know heading you know focus features for years and like blissfully unaware of the conduct of a Harvey Weinstein, then you want to come out with your you know white knight type of thing and mm-hmm. shine a light on. Now that it is acceptable to address that. So I had issues with the with with how it was presenting it, but I was really impressed with how Katie Green directed that film. um It it was done in such a stark uh, manner, and and it really did a good job of communicating the like the general anxiety of working in a toxic work environment like mm-hmm. that, that really resonated. And especially as someone who has dabbled in working in like arts and culture settings, uh, a lot of that comes through. Mm. Anyone who's worked in that David setting could probably watch that film and pull something out of how she portrays that, that world. But um, so I, I was a bit cautiously optimistic going in. I discovered like shortly before watching it that I actually uh, saw the Documentary that this was adapted from. This oh. is adapted from a documentary in 2015 or 16 from Australia called Hotel Kuargari, which was okay. a documentary about two Finnish women who were in mm. Australia and they were put in work placement at a uh, a bar called Hotel Kuargari in the middle of nowhere. I think that's the name of the town, guardi And um and the documentary is very very, you know, it was so long since I've seen it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but it was it was very shocking because the 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 amount of harassment and abuse that those women put up mm-hmm. with, and the fact that everybody is just openly doing it on camera. Uh-huh. Like, they do not care. Uh-huh. It just shows how normalized uh, that behavior is within that town. That they are not even concerned about the fact they're doing it on camera, because there's just part of their... It's It's very acceptable to them. So, I... I was I was like, oh yeah, I, I completely forgot that that I saw the film. So apparently Kitty Green saw this film while she was doing uh, while she was on a jury at a film festival in mm. Australia and it stuck with her so that inspired her to remake. And now the remake is about these uh, two friends from from America though um yeah. are they the are they
0: america or canada i feel like they mentioned so they're China.
1: they're they're american but okay. they lie and say that they're canadian okay. because this is a this is a thing that a lot of americans do they lie when they travel and say they're from canada okay. because Can- canadians are treated better than americans that, that makes sense supposedly um so yeah they they, they are two american uh, Americans' friends who go to Australia for reasons that are never really made clear is just implied mm-hmm. that there was some bad stuff that they had yes. to leave the country for, and they run out of money. Uh, the two the two are played by Julia Garner and Jessica Henwick, uh, yes. and Julia Garner was reuniting with Kitty Green after doing the assistant with her, um, and so they run out of money and um, the uh, live I think is Jessica Henwick's character's name. Yeah. Um, she she then take she then uh takes them to a placement agency which then puts them in this bar in the middle of nowhere in a mining town uh you know like with just desert around them and then that's when they encounter the uh their boss the owner of the bar is played by hugo weaving mm-hmm. um who is just a horrible alcoholic yes. asshole and you have um his wife who is an indigenous woman that uh you know just is that sort of like hardened person who just mm-hmm. has to, has put up with decades of that just survived. Yeah. I think that type of environment. And then and then obviously the bar patrons who mm-hmm. you know are one of them in particular is especially menacing. But the other ones are not are are you know they're very boorish or obnoxious. Or yes. some of them are nice, but ultimately everything still falls under this very patriarchal mm-hmm. and toxic and masculine. Um, norm that poses this constant existential threat to these two women and Julia Garner's character is you know she's sort of the one who's like aware she's in a horror movie right? and she's like we need to get out of here and then uh, her friend and everybody else is downplaying it and that's where I feel like the film is strongest because it's kind of uh, honing in on this uh i think i described as the sort of ambiguous space where things are off but not so off that you feel like you're in danger but there's a capacity for it and you kind of prefer to roll with things than than stand out or or cause an issue yeah and you know i think kitty green does a good job mining that tension and letting it and building that up my only my issues with it are i think the, the there are some issues i have with the writing um there are these sort of moments that it feels like the film has to sort of stop and then mm-hmm. restate uh its its themes or intention which is very frustrating because it doesn't need to like it doesn't need to like do a check in every 15 minutes and be like okay she's really concerned and the other one is less concerned right <laughs> and, uh... yeah
0: i don't know she maybe just like kind of threw me off that was one of the the few public screenings i at i think you know she just like said something about Paying attention to sort of subverting the genre expectations, and I guess because I both just like don't watch a lot of horror and wasn't thinking about what the genre is, I just like expected her, uh, you know. I I, I took that to mean that it there would be another thing that she was doing and kept trying to be like, and what is what, what, when yeah, that right, I think it is just the Garner knows that she's in a horror movie. And no one else does, but like, it, it doesn't it didn't feel to me like a, a subversion necessarily just because no. it's like yeah she's the one who is reacting reasonably yeah. to this I, situation.
1: I don't think I don't think it's a it's interesting that that Kitty Green would say that because I don't think it's a subversive a subversive movie. It it, yeah. it it's really maybe the subversion is the subject matter and that like the villain is yeah <laughs> is patriarchy, I guess, which is uh... really more more of a, a of a trendy thing in recent years I think but yeah. I, but no I think the way that she portrays that sort of environment um, you know and how and like I said the way she hones in on this ambiguity around it where you know there's there's this constant lingering like threat like it's just like yeah. you, you feel like you are like a hair away from things going south very fast yes. um, and that sort of lingering tension that's where I feel it works well now the thing is I can I can tell you uh the ending of the documentary i don't know if that's something because like the the, the yeah, ending of this different. film is very different the ending mm-hmm. of the documentary essentially boiled down to the two women who were at this hotel or bar um ended up getting fired because one of them just got really sick she got it she ended up getting a she mm-hmm. didn't realize it at the time but she got a blood infection Oof. which then spread through uh-huh. her body and she ended up losing eyesight in one of her eyes and had to go back to finland um so it had like a very like bummer ending
0: mm-hmm.
1: um very like ho-hum in that sense it didn't like reach any sort of like you know but again it's a documentary they're not supposed to <laughs> uh, uh-huh. co- uh, co- uh cohere to you know standard like mm-hmm. narrative expectations and where i have issue is that the way kitty green decides to end this movie because she changes the ending entirely mm-hmm. it's not a direct it's not a remake directly it's just sort of inspired by but right. um i really did not like the way she ended this movie i think it's i think it's a bit of a uh a cop-out i understand why she wanted to do it that way why she wanted to kind of give i i think in a way it's like wish fulfillment but i i think it just falls flat um Mm -hmm. and it sort of undermines a lot of what was effective about it beforehand i do like other elements i do like how she leaves a lot of exposition out or leaves it to, like, being heavily implied. It doesn't really matter as to the details around people's backgrounds. Um, You can kind of infer what you need to. There are very smart choices within it, but I think it's also... There are also some choices that are not as uh, strong or choices I disagree with. And the ending is a main one. The ending just kind of left... I was really frustrated because i you had something, like, much stronger here, but...
0: Yeah. 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 All right. Well, maybe... I don't know. Is there anything before we wrap up that you haven't really gotten to talk or write about that particularly just excited oh. you during the film festival? I, I know you said most things did not. Uh, that excited me. I
1: mean, no, I mean, I did get to write about, I think the, I mean, the, the close your eyes. I, I already saw Bastavos is here in uh, mm-hmm. Berlin which is a really, I, I really enjoyed yep. that movie, and, yeah. um, and so I I did write about that a little bit, and um and then, The Human three was another one I really enjoyed, and I got mm-hmm. to write about that. I mean, otherwise, um, no, I there are some films, you know, I'm I'm working on writing about
0: mm-hmm.
1: Seven Veils, but I do not like Seven Veils. I I don't like that film mm-hmm. very much. I find it kind of baffling and and bad, but like watchably bad. Um. Mm-hmm. So that film, I think that's just sticking on my mind because I just was, you know, sort of working on writing about it. But mm-hmm. otherwise, I mean, yeah, like the Rod of Jude is is uh quite uh, is quite enjoyable. I really want to mm-hmm. rewatch it, and then especially the the Ruska Hamaguchi film. Um, yeah, it does not exist, which I would love to see again. Everybody's yeah. response after seeing it is like, I need to see it again. Because, yes, you know. Yeah, I don't. Unfortunately, I wish I didn't know about. Um, granted I wasn't spoiled or anything Uh, it was just that people kind of alluded to stuff going on in that film that uh, I wish I hadn't known about when I uh before watching it but um yeah no it's still a very strong it took it took some time for me to get into the rhythm of that film but uh Hamaguchi just does not seem to miss
0: yeah uh, for sure I think uh, yeah I had like read it read a little about it but was so uh out of it uh both from having seen the beast right before that and to uh talking to who i eventually found out was uh one of damien chazelle's producers who was very talkative right before the film (laughs) uh, that i had completely forgotten that yeah there was anything Uh, so Um, so i was taken off guard by the ending even though i had heard reference to there being a thing
1: Actually I the one I do wanna mention is Dear Jassy by Tarsim mm. Tarsim Singh Dandwar, I think he goes by now. He's gone by Tarsim and Tarsim yes. Singh, but uh a film that I feel like was not I feel like a lot of people who watched it just did not like get what the film was mm-hmm. doing. I don't want to say they misunderstood. I think that there was there might have been some confusion, especially because it's such a it's such a departure for him stylistically. Um I still think it's very like he's he directs his ass off in this movie i think he's just doing it in a, in a different way um mm-hmm. it's it's much more restrained for him but um yeah i wasn't sure if you, you maybe talked about it in the prior I, episode, I, but... I
0: i have not i think i listen I, I remember listening to emilio talk about it uh i i did not get to <laughs> see it that that platform yeah. section is just so Strange. It's very, it's a
1: very hit and miss thing, and, yeah. and again, it, it's it's this sort of attempt. the The idea of platform as well is a very strange one because yeah. you had like, what platform does a filmmaker like Tarzan Singh need? Right. Um. Yeah. Given his background, uh, there's a joke I've made in the past that they should probably call trampoline because people <laughs> just you know, they've had Mm -hmm. people come back to that program. Uh, Uh, It's a bit, no, the the, the thing is, it's, it's, it's a pro it's, it's a program that in theory is fine. You want to have a competitive section and you want, Mm -hmm. but but in practice, the kinds of films that they put in there are a bit baffling. And if you look at the, granted it's, it's a young program, but if you Mm -hmm. look at the track record of its winners so far, it's not especially uh, been a platform for these filmmakers, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, and then it also ties into the festival's entire obsession with uh World premiere status because I know yep. Cameron Bailey fought for this for years. Like he, he introduced the program and uh mm-hmm. he he wanted to get it to this point where every single film in the program was a world premiere. Um and mm-hmm. you know, that's sort of shaken out the way it's shaken out. I yep. but this is but this was a strong a strong film, I was really like, it for me, it was it was very relieving in a sense to see a director actually just like, really put so much thought and consideration into how to like establish and develop um, a visual language mm-hmm. uh, for the story they're telling. Um, it, and seeing him and, and the way he deploys that and how he kind of builds it out. Um, unfortunately, I think people were very turned off by the final 10 minutes of the mm-hmm. film. But granted, being in Canada, Uh, i'm aware of the true story it's based on Uh because it's uh it's it's based on a crime that happened um, from a family uh originally from india but in uh they they were based in british Columbia in canada Mm -hmm. um and the film also the film the way the way he shoots canada is so fascinating Mm -hmm. i i I spoke i saw it with someone else another uh a fellow countryman another canadian and they were like and they and we were both saying like it's so fascinating how he shoots Canada, like it's just so different from how we see uh, anything, anything Canadian city being being filmed. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's a film that I, I it stuck with me. I was really impressed by it. Uh, I, I I wasn't sure what to expect. Uh, I think unfortunately there are some sort of you know on a surface level there's some like wooden acting and dialogue mm-hmm. and stuff that might be a turn off to people. But I think the way that he directs that is really really Mm -hmm. impressive and Mm -hmm. and i and i would like i hope more people get to see it and kind of uh can can at least you know look at it in that sense and just look at the filmmaking on display and be really um
0: Mm
1: -hmm. uh we'd be impressed by it because i found it was very impressive
0: yeah do you know if there's been any talk of distribution for that
1: no there's been very yeah, little right. um Beyond and also a few very big it, deals yeah. it might be worth mentioning that also uh i feel very bad for tarzan saying on this because he the premiere of the film was a complete disaster from mm. the sounds of it 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 uh essentially there was a projection error part oh, way through so they had geez. to they had to stop the film and kind of set it back a bit and then at the same time there were people just openly on their phones Ugh. to the point where he, the director himself had to tell people to stop using uh-huh. their phone and the uh-huh. people were then fighting and arguing with him <laughs> Jesus, it, it was like yeah i mean hearing that and when he accepted his speech when he did his acceptance speech because he won the platform prize mm-hmm. he he straight up addressed the fact that he had such a disastrous uh mm-hmm. screening which is always unfortunate here but i mean like yeah you know i've I, there were a couple stories i mean i've unfortunately felt that i think on the first day two of my screens were cancelled yeah of technical issues um, I,
0: I feel like I have never heard like half as much as I heard about technical issues uh as this year
1: yeah I mean it's it's sometimes it happens I mean yeah. depends on the circumstances um but then again who knows I mean we don't know the inner workings of, of yes yeah tiff as an institution organization we don't know what they're spending their money on maybe they cut budget or maybe it was just bad luck yep don't know and we'll probably never know because tiff is very cagey
0: Yep. yeah all right uh well i i don't know is there anything you'd like to promote other than festival coverage or just general uh where to find you um, yeah i mean i
1: i Right now, I mean, my festival coverage was primarily in uh, the film stage and uh, Edge Media Network, where I focus on titles, which is a that's more of a focus on on queer, uh, queer films or films with by queer filmmakers mm-hmm. with queer themes. Um, and then I also have my Substack acquired cinema which is uh, largely a collection of me tracking the uh, the three big film festivals and which films are getting North American distribution. Yes, so, which is uh, a great
0: resource.
1: A... <laughs> I, I, still, I, I still try and keep an eye out to update as much as I can. Mm. Um, it's a little tougher with some of the smaller sidebar uh-huh. titles. But um, yeah, I, it's something that I've, I... That's always been sort of a passion of mine, because Mm -hmm. I feel like um, I'm very big about films being accessible and knowing what films are going to come out. Um, But I'm also going to be doing some writing about the festival uh, and other things on there as well. It's I I don't uh, you can subscribe. I promise I will not flood your inbox. (laughs) I do not want to do that, but I will do periodic uh, writing pieces, uh, periodic essays or Mm write-ups and reviews as well.
0: All right. Well, uh, you can uh, all of our uh, social and etc. information is in the description. Uh, Twitter X is can I kick yeah. it? Uh, there's uh, the coffee. If you've enjoyed our festival coverage, this is uh, for Tiff at least the end of it, uh, and would like to kick in a little bit to offset some of those costs uh we have a coffee which is ko-fi.com slash can i -i. c-a-n-n-e-s-i and yeah there's there's all sorts of other links uh but for now i will go ahead and release our audience Bye bye